are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. As you go down Highway 101, the freeway here, one of many, you'll pass through several overpasses and down the road a little way, and I won't tell you exactly where. I recently told my son-in-law, we were in a car together. I said, every time I pass that place right there, every time, I think about how that company, it was a large company, and a man owned the company, and I know the man's name to this name. It must have been 35 years ago. That man wronged my father of quite a bit of money. I want to say it was either 1500 or 2500 And 35 years ago, that would have been a lot of money, and it's still a lot of money today. So every time I go to 101 to get on to 280 or if I go to 680, if I go that way for any reason or down to a hospital, or if I pass that way, I always think of that. There are markers all over this area where it was that place right there I received this phone call. I can remember it exactly. Or I got this word of this member that had been in this accident or this situation. And I'll never forget as I pass that way, I always think that man in that company, he's probably passed away like my father's passed. That man did my dad wrong. I went to my father one time, I was pastoring him. My parents were members here 33 years. And I pastored my dad and I said to him one day, we were talking, I said, dad, that man, and I called his name. He did you so wrong, he owes you money. Why don't you go see if you can get it? And I'll never forget his response, son. He probably, with a corporation like that, he probably needs it more than I need it. He let it go. My dad in 1959 went into business prior to that. And I'll never forget when he lost his business. We moved to Stockton for two years. My dad began a hearing aid business with three other, two other men, three of them together. My dad was 90% deaf, but he could hear with hearing aids. He'd take those hearing aids off. He could not hear anything. And I've described it in the past. It used to be a man would hang a transistor on his T-shirt, and then a wire would come up, and it'd go to your ear on both sides. And I can remember my dad and I wrestling in the house, and I'd wrestle, and that transistor, that microphone would come off and it'd come out of his ear and he would wrestle and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. And we'd have to deal with that all the time. And so in 1959, bell tone hearing aids and audio tone developed glasses like this, but then they put the hearing aid with an ear mold right on the temple. It was a novel thing. My dad bought one of those and he had them and no longer the transistors and no longer the wires that came up his neck, and he was always, I think, perhaps he never said anything but embarrassed with them. And I remember he went into business. I can tell you I, that ride over to that Stockton in a 1959 Lincoln with one of the co-owners of the company it was such an incredible ride. They didn't have a 680 or a 280 or a 580. Uh, you had to go through Niles Canyon, the back way through Pleasanton, and all that, and then get on some 
uh, country roads. And I just remember they went into business. I know the man's name. That was 59. That was 60 years ago. I could tell you his name right now. I cannot tell you the other man, but I just remember the name of this one. And somehow when the business began to struggle, they left. And my dad had to look at all those bills. And he said, I couldn't declare bankruptcy, but I owe this money. But I, I can remember saying years later, Dad, it was those men. He goes, I know, but they chose not to pay it. You know, when you're wronged, how you respond to being wronged is going to determine your future in your life. Some folks will spend their life from that moment when my mother wronged me, my dad wronged me, my mother-in-law wronged me, my father-in-law, my sister, my brother, my aunt, my uncle, a person, a boss, a company, and the rest, the remainder of your life. I'll tell you what, all over America, I'll never go back to that church. I'll never buy something from that company. I'll never talk to my in-laws again. And we spend our life for that for 5, 10, 30, sometimes a lifetime. When you've been wrong, my Bible says, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is thy reward in heaven. If you've been offended, get it off your plate immediately. We have a remarkable story here of Philemon, and I'm trying to get us ready for 2020, and it take me a while to get into it. It's very, not a very long message tonight, but I want you to bear with me as we try to show you about this Philemon. He was wronged by a servant. He was wronged. They called him a slave, and he ripped him off, and he left, and he left him. He stole from Philemon. I want to pick it up in verse number 10, because now the agent, verse 9, the agent Paul is, and he calls himself the agent Paul, Paul the agent. He, he says, I want to talk to you about Onesimus. It's an amazing story because these first eight verses, he just talks about how great a person you are, Philemon, how wonderful you are. I thank God as I think about you and your faith and your love and all that I hear about you. And then he says, by the way, I want to tell you about a fellow by the name of Onesimus. That rung a bell because Onesimus, in our text, ripped him off. He stole from him as a servant, as a slave, and then left town. You know, it kind of catch up with him because that lifestyle eventually kept, kept caught up with him. And Paul mentions the name, I beseech thee for my son, my son Onesimus, whom I begotten in my bonds. Verse 1, Paul is in jail. And in jail, he's in bonds. And he said, I met a fellow prisoner. Isn't it amazing how God can orchestrate things? Isn't it amazing that God can put someone in your path when we're going to do something wrong and the Holy Spirit of God uses that person? I can recall I went to a pizza shop over here 25 years ago. And on that night, I was already picking up a pizza, and there was a man, I never saw him, and he was at the bar around the corner. Apparently, there's a bar there, and I didn't even know it. And he was getting ready to take his first beer. He was one of our lead ushers in this church. I want him to Christ. I remember his wife getting saved, his kids getting saved, his family getting saved. He was Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And that day at work, he said, I'm so sick and tired 
of living this Christian life. I don't have any fun. And he was there getting ready to order a beer. And I said, my name is Jack. I'm here to pick up a pizza. I never saw him, but he heard my voice. And he said, I began to tremble. You know, that's the Holy Spirit of God sent me to that place. He told me this story later. He says, God preserved my life that day. I can recall another story. I won't, for the sake of time, go into it, but God will send something. He'll send your mother. Your mother will call you. I'll leave that other story, but I think of about a young man. He was driving down a a, a large freeway. Freeways were going everywhere. And God just put him on my heart. I called him on my phone. I said, hey, son, I want to just tell you. I want to just check up on you. And it was like he was just so short and abrupt. He said, Brother Trevor, I'm driving down the freeways. And he told me the large city. He said, "I I, 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 I can't talk. He may be listening right now. He came back to college and graduated. He's a preacher of the gospel. But he said, I decided to throw it all away. And I was on my way to meet a woman and lose my purity. And he said, as soon as you called, I was nearing the exit. But I got off the first one and I went back over the top of the freeway and back. And I went back home and trembled before God. He said, that phone call spared me my life. God's going to send somebody. God sends to to Onesimus, this criminal. He sent him the apostle Paul. And Paul said, he became my son. I want him to Jesus Christ. Which in time past, verse 11, was to thee unprofitable. But now, profitable to thee and to me. Whom I have sent again. He said, he's going to tell him, I wish he could stay here. But he said, I've sent him again. His sentence was up, apparently. I have sent him again that thou should receive him, that is, mine in my own bowels, whom I would retain with me. I want him to stay here. But in thy stead, he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind, I would do nothing. You know, that's loyalty. He said, I'd like him to stay here and just stay with me and help me. But I can't have him... Stay with me until he gets it right with you. He needs to get it right with you. If you're not right with your parents or your in-laws, for the sake of your marriage, get it right. And that's what he's saying. I'm not able to keep him here. The Bible says, verse 15, for perhaps he, he therefore departed for a season that thou shalt receive him forever. Now, not a servant, But above a servant, a brother, beloved. He told it he's a son that's begotten. Now he said he's a brother, beloved, especially to me. How much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord, if thou count me, therefore, a partner, receive him as myself. Verse 18, look at it, please. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on my account. A while back, I was at a store picking something up, and the person behind the counter said, you know, I have a little problem with your church. Somebody in your church owes me money, and I heard they moved town, and I owe a bill. They owe a bill right here. 
I never contacted the people. I said, give me the bill. I never gave it to the office. I said, let me pay the bill. The Bible says, if he wronged, put it on my account. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. Look what he says in verse 19. I will repay it. Albeit I do not say to thee now, thou owest me. <laughs> I like what he says here. I'm not going to tell you that you owe me something. Because Paul had won Philemon to Christ too. And he said, I'm not going to charge you for that. I'm not going to remind you. <laughs> but he's doing it. Good Baptist. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord, having confidence in thy obedience. I, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt do more than I say. So Onesimus shows up at Philemon's door and gives him this letter. I'll get to my message, but I need to introduce the message with verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timotheus, or Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved fellow laborer. To our Philemon. Philemon is person one I want you to see. But then, as Brother Bertram read, and to our beloved Apia. The word Apia is a female gender name. So he writes to Philemon, a man, and he writes to Apia. Historians tell us that was undoubtedly Philemon's wife, and it makes sense. So I'm writing to a husband and wife. As I write to you, I want you as a couple to take this Onesimus and work with him because he needs help. He has baggage from the past, but he got saved here in jail. And things have changed. But he gives us another person. And he tells us our beloved Apia and Archippus, our fellow soldier. Now we have a fellow laborer in verse 1 and a fellow soldier. Archippus was a young preacher, Colossians chapter 4. Paul had won Archippus to Christ, and he's a young preacher. Again, I don't have Bible knowledge of this, but historians tell us that Archippus was the son of Philemon and Apia, or Apia. So what you have here is a husband and a, and a, husband and a wife, a mother and a father, and you have their son who's a preacher. Now, would you just stop and ponder that with me for a moment? You have a man and his wife and their son who is a young preacher of the faith. Amen. How mother and dad respond to someone that wronged them is going to have an effect on their son's ministry. Yeah. I, I, I try not to talk about my parents so much. But I was raised in the most incredible home with a mother and a dad, no college education, just good, godly people. My mother never got involved with any gossip with any lady. My mother never was upset in the church. She, she never was on a pouting campaign. 
She was just always a good woman. Everybody loved my mother, Emily. And Emily Treber, my mother, is such a sweet lady. She's laid to rest. And I stop by and I, when I see that marker, my, I'm just so thankful for my mother. I look at her picture every day. What a sweet lady. She cooked every day breakfast and she made us lunch. She made good dinners. And when my dad lost the business, we were young. I, I, I guess I was maybe about 11 or 12. And we, she had to go to work. And she went to work and my dad went to work. My dad looked long hours. But every night, my dad and my mother would gather us around. He bought my sister an organ. He bought my sister a piano. He bought me a trumpet. They're all secondhand, but they were great. And every night, he'd get the hymn book out. We'd play, and my mother and dad would sing. And every night, he'd read us the Bible. And every night, he'd pray with us. I never saw my parents argue. I know that's hard to believe. They had to have argued. They've had to have disagreements, but I never saw it. I never saw them miss church for anything. We were raised in a time where there weren't vacations. And so basically, you'd go to church 52 weeks out of the year. One time, my uncle who built the building on the other property, my dad, they rented these small little round little trailers. And we went for three days to Stony Ford up here. And we, we went camping for three days. We came home for Sunday. And that's the only vacation. I remember one time in about 1956, going to a place called Disneyland. And we went there for a few hours one day. That was it. I don't remember vacations. But they didn't do that. But I remember mom and dad that just so loved God, loved our pastor, loved our church, and loved the things of God, loved their children, and loved the word of God. And my sisters have served God a lifetime. Their husbands have served God a lifetime. They're serving God. They're in Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night today, as we are, my wife and I. I tell you, my dad, I'm not near the man he was. I wish I could have been. I wish I could go back and just cling to him more and had his life rub more off on me. My dad didn't have an enemy. My, I, I, it seems like I wish he knew how he did that. My, my dad loved people, and everybody loved my dad. Such an amazing man. His name was Gottlieb. It means God loves in German. They didn't have middle names. And so my mother and his, his sisters and everybody called him Gubby instead of Gottlieb. And my mother said, this is my hubby, tubby, chubby, gubby. Oh, quite a guy. He'd sit right over here by Brother Sly. They, they were at everything. They loved it all. And they came early and they stayed late. You know, they had such an influence. And here, a husband and wife are going to have the opportunity to have an influence on their kids. Never criticize the things of God in front of your kids. Never. Never. We have raised three children. All of our kids are serving God full time. But you can ask them, was dad a perfect dad? And they'll have to tell you, no, he wasn't. But I tell you, they can tell you this. My dad and my mother never criticized people. They never attacked preachers. They never attacked the people of God. A lot of things I failed as a dad, but I wanted to make sure my kids never heard negativity coming out of my mouth. My mother and dad saw problems in church and they just stayed and watched them work it out. We saw people coming and going and leaving our church. I grew up in the 50s, where, in the 60s, uh, early 60s, where church business meeting was church fight meeting. 
I can remember this day, this man over here, he'd all stand up and he'd criticize. He was a deacon. And he'd criticize something about the church and the pastor, the way he did something. And this guy over here would say something that it just always seemed like a war at church. It seemed like at a business meeting, that's what you had to do. I don't understand that stuff. I never saw my dad stand up one time. I'm saying that they have a choice now. And I'm coming to you tonight on 2020, the year of 2020. And tonight I want to remind you that we said last Sunday morning, be led of the Spirit. And this morning, as I preach from the book of Philippians, that it must be all of Jesus. Get absorbed with him in 2020. But I want us in closing to encourage you to step up. I want to, Brother Russ, you had step it up for the youth conference this year, but I'll just say instead of step it up, just step up. I, I want you to step up, and I want you to step up as God's people, as workers. And I'm speaking to the best working church in the world. Look what he says, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, verse one, Tim, Timothy, our brother, and Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. A laborer is a worker. He said, you work with me. The ministry is about the work of God. Amen. Tonight, without laboring very long on this tonight, can I ask you, in 2020, would you consider being a bus driver or a shuttle driver? We need 15 or 20 more right now. Could you just drive the bus in? Maybe you can't even drive home. Maybe it won't work out for you. But maybe you can just drive it in. Maybe you can just drive it home. Or maybe you can be a shuttle driver. Or maybe you can drive it in or drive it home and it's Sunday school and Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night. We have different workers all the time. Could you become a worker in that area? Can you become a worker in our emergency responders in this room? And we have someone on duty all times, a doctor. And every service, we had them lined up the other night. Brother Carl, I don't want to be with the Lord. The responders were here. Our own people, the doctors, the nurses, the people were here. And as a pastor, I'm so grateful for those that serve God in that capacity. Could you be an usher? And not just an usher where you just show up and get a plate and pass it, but no, you spend time in your, at your station. Maybe you'll spend an hour a week and come in here and pray. Oh God, I'll be in this area, this section. And I'm praying that the people in my section might come to know Christ. I'm praying that if they're backslidden, they get right. I'm praying that they're visited and feel at home with us in the house of God. Would you pray about it? I'm not a charismatic. The church is now very small. Weeds are growing up in the parking lot. Last time I went, but in the 70s when I was here, there was a large charismatic church and they had 200 ushers. And they required every usher to spend an hour in their usher station in prayer every week. Oh, their theology and speaking in tongues is different than mine, but I tell you what, I love the illustration of prayer. Could you be at stepping up as a worker? Could you be a nursery worker? Could you hold the babies? Miss Trevor was here for a few minutes and then tonight's her night in the nursery. I hope and I trust that God's using her with holding those babies right now. 
and talking to those babies right now, and you get to work with workers. I saw Mrs. Schmitz and Chong Wa. I've told this to so many people two weeks ago between Sunday school and church, and they were going to the nursery, and they've been doing that for 30-some years. And, uh, and I was coming in the church, and I yelled out when they got to the kids' area here. I said, there goes two of the biggest gossips in the church. And Chong Wa, she's from Korea. She's been in this church over 40 years. And she's, she's here, so she's very small. And Chong Wa, she doesn't speak out loud, but she's a funny lady. She has a, and she said, I said, there goes two of the biggest gossips. And she said, she was following Mrs. Schmitz. I want you to know, Pastor, I am not a gossip. I just listen. <laughs> so that leaves only one gossip left. <laughs> Megan, your mother. Oh, I guess you ladies in the nursery, you have to talk about things. That's just being, I'm not talking about negative. That's just, but, but somebody help me. I think about the second week of my life when I went to the house of God and my twin sister. Someone held us. We need some workers. Brother Flood needs some bus captains, bus workers. We need some soul winners. We need some prayer warriors. Brother Elliot, the choir is such a blessing. How you practice for this play and musical is so incredible. I've been hearing them for months practicing. And the choir's always jam-packed. But Mrs. Treber said to me about a week ago, she said the altos were very low if it wasn't for our teenagers, juniors and seniors, and our own kids that are college age, we would not have had enough altos. I wonder, are there some ladies in this church that could sing alto? And if we can't get any ladies, I wonder if some men could sing alto. <laughs> I'm just talking about, now, when you join the choir, you go to practice. When you say, I'll be a Sunday school teacher, you go to teacher's meeting. When you say, I'll be a bus captain, you go to the bus meeting. When you say, I'll serve the Lord as a deacon in this church and the church votes you to be that, you say, I'll make priority that I'll be at the things of God and I'll handle the business of the church properly and the work of God. We're looking for workers, for the laborers are few. Young men all over this room, couldn't you drive a bus? You, you graduated from high school. You graduated from college. Can't you, can't you drive a bus? A lady came up to me or came up to Brother Flood not long ago, said, I'm a lady, but I'd be willing to drive a bus if it's okay with you. It's okay with me if it's okay with her. I mean, Deborah had to step forward because a man would not step forward. You know how many more hundreds of people we could reach every single week if we just had the drivers? God's gonna use you to be a giver. Would you be a worker in that regard, a mechanic? And I find that if we're gonna step it up, we step up to be workers. We step up secondly, be warriors. The Bible says he's a fellow soldier. Could you be a warrior and get in the trenches and fight with me and fight the devil and fight for the things of God? Could, could, you, could you be part of a prayer meeting? Could you just say, I'll, I'll, I'll be a warrior. I'll fight in the trenches. I'll go to prayer meeting. I'll, I'll, I'll be one that prays. We're looking for workers for 2020. Will you step up? 
We're looking for warriors in 2020. We step up. We're looking for a witness. What kind of witness? A testimony that I love God. Verse 4. I thank God, Paul says, making mention of thee always in my prayer, hearing of thy love, your faith toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Philemon had the testimony that he was like my dad. He was just a good man. Philemon was a good man. I thank God upon every remembrance of you. Could you start 2020 say? I'm going to have a testimony that's stellar. My wife always teases me on January 1st. I'll wrap it up here. Because I, I'll go the day and she knows what it is. I try to go as far into the year without sinning as possible. And she'll say something to me and I'll Answer back, I said, no, I don't think I want to do that right now. She says, are you sinning yet? She makes fun of me. We have a good time. But I wonder if I could, would you pray I just keep my testimony right? Would you pray that you just keep your testimony right? Well, you just understand I'm a hothead. I'm a, I'm a German, so am I. I'm an Italian. All right, I understand. Could, could you just, whatever it is, not blame your nationality, but say, I'm going to have a good testimony. College students, would you please not get removed from Bible college? High school students and elementary, would you just have a good testimony? I close with this forethought. I see that we need to step it up as workers and as warriors and as witness. But when we've been wronged, as we read here in these verses, would you at least say, I'll forgive every time? God's going to give all of us opportunities. There are some in this room that might wear you out. I might be one of those. And as people wrong you, can you come to the point, say, I'm not going to carry it with me? You know why a lot of folks leave church? They're backpacking Christians. You know why a lot of marriages split up? Because they're backpacking marriage, a husband or a wife. They have a problem. They throw the problem in the backpack. In a marriage or a church, they just throw it back there. It's not bad to carry it around. They throw another one back there, and they throw another one. But pretty soon, you're loaded down with a bunch of garbage on your back. And you want to get rid of the garbage, and so you cast it down and I'm walking out of this marriage, or I'm walking out of this church, or I'm, I'm going somewhere else. But can I tell you something? We've thrown the backpack in your trunk. You're taking it with you. And the truth is, it's still on your back. You think a different mate is going to get rid of it, or you think a different church is going to get rid of it, or a, a different area, or a different this, or a different that. But no, you deal with whatever it is in your life. That's why we never let the sun go down on our wrath. Tonight, I'm just asking you in 2020, could you step up in these areas? 
Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.